0: At how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Score North knows it's been a long winter. Time to dream about the warm weather ahead at the 2023 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. Returning to the Minneapolis Convention Center February 24th through the 26th. For a very limited time, you can get tickets for half price. Visit scorenorth.com right now and use the keyword golfer to save 50% on admission. Your admission ticket also gets you 14 rounds of free golf. Visit scorenorth.com keyword golfer to get this limited deal. See you at the show. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Welcome in, fellow Vikings fan masochists. This is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. Uh, Our schedule is kind of wonky the next couple days because old Mackadak's in the middle of a move. Judd had some stuff pop up this morning, and we say, let's just, all right, Dex and I are going to hop on, give you guys a little feedback Friday on a Thursday, starting with a question about maybe the best cornerback in Vikings history Mm -hmm. that we never knew we needed at the beginning of the season. Wasn't even part of the organization at the beginning of the season. Um, Some Duke Shelley discussion off the top here and some other fodder. But the show is presented by our friends, as always, at TCL, now an official partner of the NFL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. TCL gives you more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances, TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Uh, Also, if you are a Timberwolves fan, last night, and then, of course, Kevin Durant got traded last night as everyone was going to bed. Um, We did an emergency D'Angelo Russell from Mike Conley and Other Pieces podcast, Flagrant Howls, Mackie and Judd sort of mashup over on the Scorn Earth YouTube channel, the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, and the Flagrant Howls podcast feed. But, Dex, let's you and I go through some of this feedback That's here. You guys can always hit us up through the Score North app. We take emails through that feedback tab in the app. We're always monitoring Twitter and the YouTube comment section, whether you have uh, a question, a comment, a, a critique, whether you hate us, love us. We we take all kinds of feedback here. So uh, Mike T says, I'm compelled to get this off my chest. Something you guys said earlier this week on Purple Daily is driving me nuts Should the Vikings re-sign Duke Shelley? Here's a guy who has proven at the NFL level in big spots he can make big plays despite not being in the organization in the offseason. We're desperate for corners, and you guys are saying, well, but he's undersized. There's likely a regression coming. Only if we can sign him on the cheap. Excuse me? (laughs) This guy's inevitable regression is a theory the same way Cousins can win a Super Bowl is a theory. In fact, Shelley has in the game measurables which are more important than say combine measurables. Shelley is a free agent. The Vikings are actually going to if they don't re-sign Shelley, Patrick Peterson and Chandon Sullivan going to lose uh, their three starting cornerbacks from the end of the season. But Dex, what is your um I guess if if there was an underdog fantasy <laughs> like an over or under, are you what is your faith in Duke Shelley if they were to bring him back continuing to play at the level that he played, like, the last two months of the season.
1: I mean, he was insanely good for them, and everything kind of clicked. At least everyone noticed him in the Buffalo game, obviously, when he made that big-time pass deflection uh, in the end zone. I believe that would have uh, potentially tied the game for them in that crazy back-and-forth game. But then afterwards, I mean, he was he was pretty damn good. Um, op- uh, opponents only completed 45% of their passes against Duke Shelley. Uh He's extremely undersized, and I think that's what is concerning because a cornerback being five foot nine with cleats on, if you will I mean, I check in at five nine so obviously is, he,
0: is that how that works like he's listed at five nine does he get to measure himself with? With like the long cleats you would wear at Soldier Field. I know. Uh, so he's really like five foot two, but he wore yeah.
1: the long <laughs> cleats on the day of the measurement. I know Doogie once said on a scoop session that he said, five nine is pushing it. He said, and, and Doogie's not a taller guy like us either. So he said, if I'm about eye level with him without his cleats on, I mean, that five nine's pushing it there. But look, he has figured out a way to still be a pretty successful cornerback. Look, you're not going to go out and, and give him a humongous contract. Is he worth bringing back? 100%. Um, they're so starved for cornerback play right now, and they're looking for anything that is somewhat of consistent, you have to do it. And even though the sample size of you know a, a 55 passer rating against, and he was able to shut down guys for the most part, the only game he really got torched was the uh, Patriots game on Thanksgiving night last season. I think he'd bring this guy back. I, I, and, and to be honest, he's not going to play hardball. He's not going to say just because I played really well in these eight games that I was active in, and I played well that you need to give me a, a big deal. I think they both can reach a, a side that is a pretty reasonable contract, and he's a, a solid building block here, in my opinion, to to take a flyer on.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of curious, like, is he gonna play hardball? Is he gonna like what what is his approach gonna be with the Vikings or is it gonna be so so this is crazy. I was just I just found this on Pro Football Focus. So of the let's see here, how many qualified cornerbacks? Looks like about a hundred. Oh, my gosh. Okay, of the 136 qualified cornerbacks, man coverage grade. Now, this is what Brian Flores wants to do a lot more of. The Vikings played mostly zone coverage on the back end, playing off the line of scrimmage, keep everything in front of you, even though that didn't really work. And Brian Flores is going to come in much more aggressive. He's going to leave cornerbacks on the outside on an island, cover zero, cover one. So you need guys that can hold their own in man coverage. Here are the uh, pro football focus top-graded cornerbacks in man coverage last year. Number one, Marlon Humphrey for Baltimore. Number two, Duke Shelley, (laughs) Minnesota Vikings. Ahead of Sauce Gardner, Patrick Sertan, Stephon Gilmore, and uh, Marco Wilson. So he had an 84.5 grade in man coverage out of 100. And he was targeted just 15 times. This also includes postseason. I think he was targeted a couple times uh, in that Giants game in man coverage. So quarterbacks were 6 for 15, 40% throwing against Duke Shelley in man coverage. He only allowed 56 yards on 67 man coverage snaps last year. Now, 67 man coverage snaps is a very small sample size. Mm -hmm. And I think what I can't get past here, so I'll say I want him back. I don't think you're gonna. Ha- I don't think he's all of a sudden gonna command like ten million dollars a year because he had a good six week stretch at the end. But he became probably your most reliable if you're looking for guys that can translate that are currently on the team or were on the team and now are free agents to do what Brian Flores wants you to do. I mean, small sample size, but he did the things that Brian Flores needs. So even if there's some regression, let's say he's like seventy five percent this player, he's probably still a
1: starter for you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And he played in a hundred percent of snaps, in uh, including the playoffs, six times last year, I and mean, a lot of that was necessity because Dantzler went out and they were thin at corner. But he held his own in those situations. And um, look, I, it, when you, when you're kind of plucked in here and you can show that you can play a little bit, I, I think that shows that he's a solid building block player, and it's worth bringing him back. And if look if if he regresses hardcore, well then you find another cornerback like. This isn't something where it's life or death. They bring him back, but they should bring him back, and he should be able to find you know ways to be successful. And I'm sure Brian Flores would love to get his teeth in him and potentially even make him a, a better cornerback. Yeah, it's also
0: interesting in that you know his so he was drafted out of Kansas State, sixth round, 2019, by the Bears, and so he had he spent the first three seasons in Chicago. He basically didn't play in 2019. He, he was more of a special teams guy, I'm guessing. He played eight defensive snaps. And then he started to mix in as a slot cornerback in 2020 and 21. So before he got to the Vikings, or before he got uh, plucked by the Vikings from the Bears, he played like 90 to 95% of his snaps in the slot, and he wasn't very good. With the Vikings, he played two snaps in the slot, 445 off the edge. But I think, again, what's hard when, you know, just to go back to the emailer here. Measurables, measurables. I agree. I'll, I'll trust how you actually play on an NFL field more than I trust necessarily the measurables. But, you know, five foot nine, maybe, with cleats on, and 180, 185 pounds, does that eventually get exploited once teams have more tape on him, et cetera? So if he's going to regress, I think the question is, does he go back to being a practice squad caliber guy that you're just using in emergencies? Um or does he regress to the point like where you can still start him and play him at a high level? So I guess my my rambling point here is I want Duke Shelley back. If he's gonna if we're if the Vikings are gonna get in some bidding war for his services because you know there's other teams that want him, I don't know how high I'm willing to push that. Like I'd probably just rather go get a six foot established twenty six year old cornerback and there's a few of those guys in free agency. So if I can get him at a discount, I'm in. If he starts to you know, push toward like the eight, nine, ten million dollars that some of the other more established cornerbacks are making. I I probably lean toward that direction. We'll see.
1: Yeah, they're they're so thin at cornerback the that they pretty much have to bring him back. Yes, there's going to be a degree where they're not going to go past a certain you know dollar point because he's only played in 11 games for them. But he's going to be back next season, and he's probably going to be relied upon. And how he also performs in training camp and how he fits into the floor as defense uh, will also probably tell how often he's used or even where he's used on the field too.
0: I would think he probably wants to be back, too. I mean, it's going to be a different system and, and scheme and whatnot, but in terms of, like, some of the players and I don't. I guess the other thing is I don't know what the, the coach turnover is going to be. So maybe the whole thing looks a lot different and it's uh, less appealing. But uh, John Anderson chimes in here via the Score North app. With so few draft picks available this year, we need to use them wisely. Do you guys have insight as to why Ty Chandler or Jalen Naylor can't step up as starters? So I think the point here is, all right, if you only have like four draft picks, you know, you're, are you going to really draft into the running back if you trade Dalvin Cook? Although if you trade Dalvin Cook, you are going to get at least a fifth draft pick back. Um, my take on this is, I am very, very intrigued by Ty Chandler. I think what he did his last year in college. I think the question is, is he a three-down back? Because you can find starting running backs in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. You know, that's that's a, a pretty common place to find guys that can get out there and carry the ball 150 times. So I'd love to see more Ty Chandler. My guess is if they do trade Dalvin Cook, they probably sign a veteran who makes a lot less money than Dalvin Cook because there's a ton of like second, third-tier running backs on the free agent market. And then you wind up you wind up splitting carries between whoever that guy is and Ty Chandler. Jalen Naylor, I don't think you're just going to plug him in as your number two because the question here is could he step up as a starter? Well, he's not. I mean, if Adam Thielen goes away, K.J. Osborne's higher up in that yeah. pecking order than, than Jalen Naylor. I mean, I, I would prefer Jalen Naylor gets some reps. Let's say Thielen goes away. K.J. Osborne stays at number three. Maybe, maybe Jalen Naylor now gets some run as at number four. Go draft, or I don't think you're really going to trade or signing number two. So I guess it would be go draft a potential number two wide receiver. That's kind of where I'm at, but could they be used more? Absolutely. Yes.
1: On on the latter of those two players, I think your, your ceiling or comparable is that Jalen Naylor steps in and is KJ Osborne, right? Like KJ Osborne kind of stepped in in year two caught, you know, 500 yards or had 500 yards and caught some passes and was a little bit of a deep threat for you. That's probably his comp. Like can, can he step in and be basically the next KJ Osborne, a guy who was a third round or a, a th- day three pick that then matured and was able to you know, work out snaps and then got an opportunity and was able to ball out a little bit. Uh, with Ty Chandler, I think there's just too much of an unknown there. Like, yeah, he he, had, he played some decent college football. Um, I would probably trust, though, for them to either, yeah, sign a veteran like they've done before and like a Latavius Murray uh, and bring someone else like that in, or you draft someone also that's in the third or fourth round that's probably a more likely week one starter for you. I, I think Ty Chandler's a bit more of an unknown and unproven asset where Jalen Naylor, I think actually there could be something there. But if they're going to go down the running back route, if they move on from Dalvin Cook and Madison walks in free agency, I think it's more likely they bring in someone from free agency that's a veteran or they draft someone uh, in, in, you know, day two of the draft. That's probably going to be a week one starter for them.
0: Yeah. And Ty, Ty Chandler, his college, his last year in college, he transferred from Tennessee to North Carolina. And uh, it was a little feast or famine for him because he had three, had, Two games where he was he, he went for uh, twenty carries a buck ninety eight two touchdowns against Virginia, and then later in the year against Wake Forest he he carried twenty two times for two thirteen and four touchdowns, and then he had some other games that were more like you know Georgia Tech seventeen carries for forty yards it was very feast or famine for him but but the the whole thing all added up in his senior year at uh, North Carolina, the guy averaged six point six yards per touch. Six yards per carry hmm. and fourteen and a half yards per reception, but he only caught fifteen passes. He only caught like one pass a game, so small sample size alert. I don't know. There's just there's something. I'm not saying that boom, he starts and he's Dalvin Cook right away, but if you can find whoever your whoever your Latavius Murray is from a few years ago. I don't know, is Latavius Murray? He's like thirty two now. Yeah, <laughs> I think still he's playing, actually yeah. three. Maybe it's Latavius yeah. Murray. Um let's see here. DL Urbas chimes in via the score north app. Love your content. Listen daily. You guys haven't been talking enough cousins for the cousins lovers or the cousins haters. (laughs) But I wanted to throw something out. Wow. This is the first time we've ever been accused of not talking enough cousins. When's the last time, Declan, we talked cousins like like more than just a passing mention on an episode.
1: Uh, I I think we did a feedback Friday two Fridays ago. I think that might have been the last time when we were talking about uh, the future of his contract and you know would would he would he sign a long term deal because it would spread out the cap hits. It's probably been a couple weeks. It's been a
0: little well, bit. Well, when was the 49ers trade the controversial? Oh, yes,
1: that would have been right the day after the championship game. So that would have been a like week, week and, and a half ago. Monday, week and a half ago. Yeah, about ten days ago.
0: See, look at that. We just we we've basically gone a week and a half without talking Cousins, and we're already getting uh, complaints about it. So DL continues. He says, uh, I think all the fighting regarding Cousins is that, first of all, Vikings fans take their fandom very personally. Let me explain. For Cousins lovers, or crusaders, they are like the person who got a significant other for the first time, and that significant other is a solid, like, 6 out of, out of 10. She's like a 6 out of 10, or he. They love them and they think that there is nothing more that, that, could be, uh, that could be found to speak of is such as blasphemy and churlish. Okay. All right. On the other hand, Cousins haters are like scorned lovers who did love another six in the past, a Culpepper or whoever, but they got away because they left. They've been burned in the past, so they see this new incarnation. They are skeptical and won't even give it a chance. I do really appreciate your show. And you seem to take a view of a realist and understand that uh well, cousins, let's see uh while he's been good, he hasn't been great, plus the rest of the team, uh et cetera, et cetera, all right, this kind of rambles, but yeah i think I think like the general point here of there is a fear of the grass isn't always greener, which is true, but I think the mistake people fall into is they just look at the quarterback in a vacuum and mm-hmm. they say, well. Because the argument that I get back when I talk about roster construction and it's not as much about Kirk is garbage because no one's saying that. It's about is Kirk good enough to make that high of a percentage of the cap to build a team around him? You're going to make some mistakes in drafting. You're going to make some mistakes in free agency. You have to be so point perfect when you're paying a non-elite quarterback that much money. And so I look at it more as like a roster construction thing. That's why I bring up. Christian Ponder from 10 years ago. He was actually garbage, but because he wasn't making any money, you could afford to pay Adrian Peterson a boatload and yeah. you could afford to pay. I, I'd have to go back and look at the roster, Brian Robinson, you know, Antoine Winfield, all these guys. And so your roster around him was good enough to drag him to like 10 or 11 wins. And the playoffs, there's a bunch of ways to go about, you know, getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And the Vikings have just sort of found a new way the last five years. It's like, all right, he's one of the best quarterbacks in Vikings history. But that's not really the bar we're looking. Like that's a pretty low bar. The, the yeah. one of the best quarterbacks in Vikings history. Okay, Fran Tarkenton. If you want to include like the one year of Brett Favre, Tommy Kramer, is he one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? And where does he rank among those guys relative to value and and pay scale? So I think Cousins Cousins defenders are defending the player rightfully so because he's a good quarterback. He's one mm-hmm. of the twelve to fifteen best in the world, and the Cousins haters, if you will. Aren't hating on him as much? They're, we're we're poking the fourth down and eight, throwing for three yards. Like we're definitely poking at it, um, but it's more about how can the team be better. It's not necessarily a linear progression from Cousins to a better quarterback. It's how can the whole team be better and build a championship contender
1: going forward. So Cousins to me is like a uh, like. All right, I I, just, I recently in the last two months opened up an investment account, right? So like I, I got investments that. You know it, that some are in stocks, some are in bonds, what some are, you are being in foreign. An adult. I know, investing uh, my adulting. money. And uh, and what I realized was, man, when I made my first like investment scale here, I had a lot of my percentage of my investment in bonds, and bonds are safe, right? Like bonds are a safe bet. It's a safe bet because it's it, it's not really volatile. It's gonna be it's the floor and ceiling of the high and low is gonna be in in the similar vein. But also, if I'm going to put a large chunk of my money in bonds, well I'm not going to see a lot of lo- I'm not going to see a lot of short-term growth. It's going to take a while to really see well, a lot of growth in a bond.
0: You also knock on wood hopefully have like 50 years of life left and so you can afford right. to take some risks. I you can. don't have much to lose right. in the short term because you have plenty of time to make it up. Which is like the Vikings. The Vikings have never won a Super Bowl before. Mm-hmm. So, well but like oh my god, what if we what what's there to lose? They've done yeah. everything in franchise history. Their their plan should be do whatever it takes to win a Super Bowl. Not clutch. Oh, but we've got the 11th best quarterback, and our team is right. pretty good. Like we get to the playoffs. You have like, what do you really have to lose if you're the Vikings?
1: And I think that's where the the point of the bonds I'm trying to make is it feels like we're putting too much stock into the bonds. Like the, Cousins the, the, is a bond. He's a bond. Cousins is a bond. He's yes. a bond. And and they're putting too much of their money and their capital and their investments in bonds, which is Trey a Trey fun- Lance is a, is a, is a startup company yeah. that you could maybe get burned on. And that's OK. You, take, you accept the volatility risk there and because the, there's a risk reward. But that, that's that's what it reminds me of. It, it. Cousins is a bond, but you're putting way too much stock of your portfolio into the bond. Take some of that out and then you can build something and you might be able to get a little bit more volatile, a little more risk and factor. That's OK because it could be an epic payday for you. Patrick
0: Mahomes is like Apple in 1983 <laughs> yeah. or something. If you, if you yes. got in on that, if you're the Chiefs. Um, speaking of Cousins, by the way. So, you know, in an effort the last couple months to bring everyone together here, which is what we ultimately, sometimes we're divisive, but we're all here for the same reason, which is we want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. Um, We're bringing the Cousins Crusaders and the Cousins Haters, if you will, together for a good cause. He had eight fourth-quarter comebacks this year. Uh, He had just a wonderful stretch of fourth-quarter play. So wherever you fall on the spectrum of, of Cousins' opinions, We are asking people on behalf of the Cousins Crusaders, the crazy Canadian Cousins Crusaders, specifically of Purple Daily, to go to KirkCousins.org and uh, kick a donation over to his charity. Five bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is, we're trying to do some good here. Uh, And in the the comments of your donation, you can just put that you're one of the Cousins Crusaders of Purple Daily so they know where it's coming from. Uh, Also, a shout-out to our friends over at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been helping businesses much like a great, well-oiled, competent offensive line and for over a 100 years. You know, owning a business can have highs, lows. It's uh, it's just a constant flow of waves. And Federated is here to ride those waves with you with a guiding hand, helping you navigate uh, the waters of running a business. Federatedinsurance.com to find out more about the resources and people that they can provide for you. And remember, it Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, Chad from Virginia. Been a listener for just over three years now. Love the content. I've read in a few places someone like Keenan Allen could be cut by the Chargers. Is he someone that the Vikings could afford in free agency? And do you guys think he could pair up with Justin Jefferson? So this is an interesting one. Um, (laughs) My first instinct is that the Vikings should... It would be such a win now move to try and just bring Keenan Allen in. Like for me if if I'm thinking about the Vikings replacing Adam Thielen with another wide receiver, I would prefer they draft someone in the 1st or 3rd round. Probably the 1st round. I actually I would love to see the Vikings draft a wide receiver like if a Jordan Addison falls, go get another explosive piece to this offensive puzzle. I know a lot of people are going to yell, "Well, wait a second, their def- their offense is fine, the defense is the thing that needs to be fixed." Well, Yes, the offense is better than the defense, but Brian Flores comes in. The scheme will boost the defense. Getting the aging old linebackers out will boost the defense. I think without doing anything else, and just like, you know, maybe you sign a, a guy that's younger and more spry in free agency to play linebacker or something. I think your defense with Flores and getting younger and faster, Asamoah starting, I think you go from 31st to like 24th or something. I'm interested in taking the eighth-ranked points-per-game offense and making it elite? Because like, what is the thing that you can hang your hat on? Is it is it, okay, we got the defense up to 18th, and the offense is ninth? Well, you're probably going to lose in the first round again. Yeah. If you could replace Adam Thielen with an explosive, young, exciting wide receiver to go along with Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins comes back, maybe for the final year of his contract, that's a game-changer. That's how you go from another year in the offensive scheme. That's how you go from... The eighth best offense to like the fifth, the fourth, the third best offense in the NFL, and then spend the rest of your capital on, you know, third round picks on linebackers, cornerbacks, whatever it is. Keenan Allen's great, Mm -hmm. but I I think getting younger and less expensive, and getting another get as Jefferson's contract kicks in too in a couple years, Dex, you're gonna want to have someone that's on a rookie scale deal as his number two uh, that you don't really have to pay. Keenan Allen would be a nice little one or two year like stopgap but it doesn't solve your long-term number two wide receiver conundrum right now
1: yeah Keenan Allen's awesome he's what legit one of my favorite receivers in the NFL but he is going he's 30 going on 31 last year kind of came down the earth after only playing in 10 games a bit um he's been a pro bowler multiple time multiple time pro bowler guy but I mean the Vikings offense is mostly established here like could they add a Keenan Allen could that be like more fun on paper oh my gosh yeah totally could but I think he's probably going to ask for a lot of money, and I'd rather them probably take a chance on a wide receiver early than spend a lot of money on Keenan Allen. Now, if it's a one year deal, you know, I'm, I'm usually in the camp of there's no such thing as a bad one year deal. That's a different story, but they, they need to rebuild the defense, and I don't think it, it would make a lot of sense once the free agency window opens and if Keenan Allen is indeed cut, that you're spending a lot of your focus and time. Trying to get Keenan Allen when you need to basically overhaul that defense and get some type of building blocks to help Brian Flores and help the defense turn around. Love Keenan Allen and it's a pipe dream a little bit, but I'd rather them focus on other needs.
0: I actually think too, I almost feel like so Keenan Allen, even at age 31, is better than KJ Osborne, but I almost feel like their skill sets at this point in their careers are sort of duplicates. The like KJ Osborne's a rock solid intermediate. Uh, in terms of like where he catches passes an intermediate-level receiver. Keenan Allen, last year with the Chargers, and maybe some of this is scheme, maybe some of it's play design, but two-thirds of his receptions and targets came either behind the line of scrimmage or within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. The Vikings are looking for someone as a home run threat, potentially, someone that can go down the field. I mean, they didn't really have, outside of a couple K.J. Osborne catches here and there, Justin Jefferson was really the only threat beyond 20 yards in the air that was going to do something of substance. Uh, Keenan Allen last year was only targeted 12 times on passes beyond 20 yards in the air and only caught five passes beyond 20 yards in the air. So um, in fairness, he did miss a chunk of games. Um, He only played like 600 snaps, so maybe he would have had, you know, nine or ten deep catches if he plays the full season. But he's also on the wrong side of 30, like you said. So what, if the Vikings made a move for Keenan Allen, would I crucify them? No. He's a really good player. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd rather see the, the the next generation, someone who's 10 years younger. Uh, Hollywood J8. Phil Mackey is a fat clown. <laughs> wow. Just doink the clown. Yeah, well, that's awfully mean. That's really mean. Oh, I'm not fat. That's, that's a mean-spirited comment. Uh, Fani says with Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator, are we finally going to see the illusion of complexity on defense that was talked about <laughs> during KOC's press conference? Well, if you guys get a chance, we, and we mentioned this the day after Brian Flores was hired, there are a ton of great YouTube videos. You can just go like people breaking down, you know, all 22 film of what he tries to do on defense. It reminds me a little, when the Vikings went from that Leslie Frazier sort of cover to a yeah. little bit of a, like a four three shell defense in two thousand what twelve thirteen, and then Mike Zimmer comes along and he's the double a gap confusion guy. <laughs> and how many times, Deck, did you watch a Vikings game, especially like early when when the Vikings had young Eric Kendricks and and young Harrison Smith and these guys like you'd watch a Vikings defensive like a third down stand third down and seven and they would literally have everyone up on the line of scrimmage press man coverage and you didn't know who was going to drop back you didn't know who was going to blitz they were just creating chaos for the for the offensive linemen. that's what brian flores loves to do with his with his three four base is all right we're going to make it look like it's cover zero cover one everyone's on the line of scrimmage we might send seven we might bail everyone you 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 have no idea what we're going to do but we're going to we're going to make it very confusing and rely on the youth and the speed to get back into position once the ball snaps so he, the answer is yes he's going to create the illusion of complexity on defense if he if he does what he did in Miami anyways
1: i loved uh when zimmer's defense is at its peak and you obviously turned things around cuz up until that piece of my Vikings fandom, if you will. The Vikings have never been known for having just a shut-down defense. They had pieces on defense that were always really good. They had great pass rushers. They had some great cornerbacks, right? They had some really good linebackers, but they never had a full unit that was going to stop you and get a big stop when you needed it on third down. I remember there were so many times during that 15-17 to run of Mike Zimmer Peak Football where the offense was on the field and it didn't matter if it was Aaron Rodgers or some slappy. You had a pretty good trust that they're going to get a stop here. And that that feeling has now been fleeted because of the last three years, the defense has been so bad. But I, I'm curious with Brian Flores comes in, if we can have some of that peace of mind again of they can get a stop here. It's not just they need a stop. No, yes. they're going to get a stop. Uh, that was what was so awesome to watch with Zimmer's defense when it was at its peak with such great players. And if Flores can obviously kind of change some of that culture and bring that illusion of complexity where he's rushing safeties a ton or blitzing safeties a ton and figuring out ways to confuse the defense, that I'm all for it.
0: It felt like too, like those two Giants games, especially the playoff game. Alright, third down and eight, whatever, third down and five. Maybe the Vikings will do a good job in coverage, but the middle of the field is just going to be wide open, and Daniel Jones is going to run for 15 yards. You're right, there was, there was a few years there during the Mike Zimmer era where, especially home games, you know, the, the crowd's going crazy, ACDC is blaring, <laughs> uh, the the horns are blowing, and it felt like the offense is screwed. It's third down and 8 and Aaron Rodgers is about to get uh, dumped on his keister. You never really had that feeling last year. Maybe the, well, the I guess the, the first game against the Packers, the the opener in week 1, the defense actually that was like the best defensive performance of the year. Yeah. And I, maybe it was just week 1 is so weird in the NFL and plus Aaron Rodgers just like doesn't do anything with his team in the offseason. He like shows up for training camp after, you know, whatever uh, self-discovery venture he went on. And so Aaron wasn't really clicking with the young wide receivers yet. Um, but after that game, it just felt like, yeah, as a fan, you're watching just thinking there's third and 12, and there's no chance they yeah. make a stop here. Tim Hoover chimes in via the Score North app. Flores has a proven track record of fixing a dumpster fire defense with Miami, where Ejiro Ivero was a defensive coordinator for one year, inheriting a top five defense from Fangio. In Denver, give me Flores all day. I'm happy Avero went to the Panthers. In my eyes, he is still unproven for what the Vikings defense needs. Yeah, I think I agree here, Dex. That after letting this simmer for a while, I, I mean, Avero, I think was the Vikings' top choice because he has a long time connection with both Kevin O'Connell and with uh, with Quasey in his career. But but really, like Flores is the one that has. Like that Miami defense, we talked about that a couple days ago. A bunch of twenty four, twenty five year old dudes that he inherited, and there was some talent. Like Xavier Howard was one of the starting cornerbacks. I'm, I'm not saying it was just like a bunch of practice squad guys, and uh, it was a struggle in the first year. But he took a young group of twenty three, twenty four, twenty five year old guys in Miami, and overnight they went from the thirty second ranked scoring defense to the sixth ranked scoring defense. Whereas Ivero took over the Vic Fangio and Ed Donatell defense. <laughs> It was already a top five defense, and he kind of maintained it. Um, so, if you're looking for someone, hey, we're gonna—it's kind of a rebuild here, Brian. And the fa- the fact that he signed up for it too—he didn't have to. He could have stayed in Pittsburgh. He, he, I mean, hell, he might have. I think he withdrew from the Cardinals' head coaching job, and he took his name out of the hat for the for the Denver job. I mean, Brian Flores had options. He didn't have to take sort of a rebuilding uh, defensive gig, but he said, "Hell yeah, let's do it. Well, let's keep Harrison. Let's keep Daniel Hunter. Let's get younger and faster." And uh, we can make it work. So, yes, the more I think about this, it's an unbelievably great hire by the Vikings.
1: Yeah, I I really liked it, too. I mean, dude, the the guy can coach defense. That's obviously pretty clear. Um, I know he's got the lawsuits against, and things got really murky and and kind of a a little bit sticky at the end of the Miami run. Uh, But the dude definitely knows defense, and he's coached what special teams, he's coached a little bit on both sides of the ball. I love that. I I, I think he, if, if you can have a guy that's kind of been at all phases of the game, if you will, and then he clearly can be a good defensive coordinator that this team desperately needs, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pumped to see him get his teeth into this defense and try to turn some things around.
0: Yes. Let's see here. Just kind of scrolling through feedback. Elliot Hicks, love hearing your guys' takes on the outlook of the defense with Flores taking over, but it's hard to be in on the idea of Daniel Hunter sticking around. Just because he has been a good rusher, uh, if anything, shouldn't Quesi and Flores' blitz-heavy approach to uh, leverage a trade and get more assets in return for Hunter? We've agreed that 28 to 29 years old is where edge rushers start falling off a cliff. We did an episode on that. We actually did a should they trade Daniel Hunter episode a couple weeks ago. You guys should check out. Uh, So the most important thing the Vikings should do is look to make key age upgrades where they can. It sounds like you guys are just speculating on Hunter's return more than endorsing it, but I'm curious if Flores' hiring has changed your opinions. One thing is for sure, the Vikings have not done a very good job of sort of having hard conversations about veteran players and, and getting assets for them before they go off the age cliff. In fact, they've kind of done the opposite. They've, they've hung on to players beyond the age of 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, and then on top of that, and not getting draft capital for those players, they've traded capital for Jalen Rager, for, uh, was it Justin Blacklock, the de- backup yeah. defensive lineman, the crappy tight end from the Jets, from <laughs> Chris Herndon. Herndon from last year. Um, I mean, hell, they traded a second-round pick a couple years ago for Unique Ngakwe, and then mm-hmm. turned around and traded him for 50 cents on the dollar. So that's where, I think that's where the Daniel Hunter discussion about trading him comes from which is okay how could you're you're, it's a competitive rebuild well if you're going to compete then you probably hang on to hunter if you're going to rebuild then you would probably go get like a second or third round pick or both for him it's hard to have one foot in both of those categories and like daniel hunter is a classic example would someone give you a second round pick for him probably maybe more than that for sure but now you're not going to compete as much because you just lost daniel hunter so they have to sort of figure out you know, how aggressive do they want to be in getting future assets for some of these players, and Daniel Hunter is going to be up for another contract here.
1: I would assume that Flores wants to keep him, and they're probably going to do everything in their power in, in the first priority of keeping him, extending him, trying to figure that out. I know that's been really sticky for the last few years, but that's probably their priority number one. Priority two is obviously trading him, because you potentially could get a lot for him, but they have to probably be careful, right? Because... If they make it known or if Daniil makes it known that his contract's unhappy and he's going to want out regardless, does that hurt his trade value? Does does a team not want to give up as much because they also have to pay him? So there's like a little bit of an interesting wicket that they got to balance here. But I, I think in general, Flores would obviously want to keep him. He's the most you know, uh, unique piece on that defense and their best piece yeah. on that defense going forward. So priority one's obviously keeping Daniil Hunter. But to be honest, if they could get a haul for him, I wouldn't rule that out and I wouldn't be completely against it either.
0: And the, and the other factor here is, too, and we sometimes we do like to get into the weeds on this show and talk about like salary cap ramifications. Uh, Nathan chimes in here, Nathan Farah via the Scorn Earth app, and says, love what you guys do. I just want to say you keep talking about trading Hunter. The thing is, I don't think you realize is if you trade that contract, it actually costs you more to the cap. Um, And, and that is partially true. So if you were to trade Daniel Hunter bef- like with a pre-June 1st designation and if you wanted to free up cap space for March free agency, you would look to create space obviously in the next month or so. So if you were to trade to Neil Hunter sometime in the next month, let's say, yeah, it would actually cost you 18 or $19 million to the cap. Whereas his cap number is 13 this year. Of course his base is five and he's going to want some certainty for the future. So there's, there's the cap ramifications with the contract as constructed, there's what he wants to make, and then there's what would it look like if you decided that you couldn't reach an agreement and you wanted to trade him. If you did a post-June 1st designated trade, the the cap hit would would be much different. So you would, his cap hit is 13, um, the dead money is 7.5, and, and so you'd actually save, if you waited till after June 1st to trade him for like a second round pick for next year, Um You'd save like five and a half or six million dollars to your cap, but it wouldn't help you in free agency in March. So, it's a tough one. That's probably even more of a reason. If you can't like if you can't get value for him for this year's draft or for this year's free agency, then wouldn't you just rather play him in Brian Flores' system and exactly. maybe milk the last year of his uh, of his age curve? So he's probably coming back. Zadarius so Smith is probably the biggest question because he's older and he mm-hmm. was banged up and not as effective in the second half of the season. And his cap hit is actually higher. If the contract stays as constructed, it's higher than Daniel Hunter's cap hit in 2023. But the Vikings, so uh, zadarius's cap hit is the fifth highest right now on the team, behind Kirk, Adam Thielen, Brian O'Neill, Harrison Smith. It's 15 and a half, but there's only 1.6 in dead. So they could they could cut or trade Zadarius before June 1st and save almost 14 million to the salary cap. That's kind of their leverage to go to him and say, All right, we need some cap space, so you're a really easy cap casualty, but we also think you're still a really good player if your knee contusion heals up, which it should. That's just a contusion. So could they restructure Zedarius? But then what he'd say, wait a second, even with a knee contusion, I was like fourth in pressures this year and was my old self, so I want to make top dollar as an edge. And Daniel says, I want to make top dollar as an edge. You probably can't pay both those guys as like top six or seven edge rushers at their ages so just one of like a million conversations (laughs) the Vikings are going to be having over the next month it's
1: very complicated (laughs) yeah the whole thing is is super messy to figure out and I mean I know Rob Brzezinski's a wizard and he should be able to you know make some magic here but man there this is one of like five insane contract situations that the Vikings have to deal with here with being so pressed up against the cap
0: yep yes so um in fact pretty much it's amazing here are the here are the top cap hits for the Vikings this year you I'm going to read these one by one and you tell me if it's messy or not I think most of these are messy for them to figure out okay Kirk Cousins kind of messy kind of messy because he's going to want an extension yeah justifiably so the Vikings might want to play ball there but we'll see Adam Thielen it's messy messy Brian
1: O'Neill Probably the least messy. Yeah, At least, least is messy. Achilles is shot yeah, or something. There's some uh, wiggle room there, but yeah, less messy.
0: Harrison Smith, a little messy because you 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 can't get you can't do a 19 million dollar cap hit for a 34 year old safety. Zadarius and Daniil we went over Dalvin Cook. That's definitely messy. messy. A lot of money. For they can back. save 11 million dollars to the cap by saying goodbye to him via trade or cut. Uh, Eric Kendricks, that's. I don't even know if that's messy. I don't actually. think it's I think messy. It's
1: just, I think it's easy. I think, yeah, I think you got him. I think that's pretty easy to do.
0: Yeah. Unless somebody wants to trade a fifth round pick, they sure. just need some veteran leadership at linebacker or something. So anyhow, um, the big game is coming up this weekend. Big game. And I saw you posted on Twitter here that, uh, that what's that over under on Jalen hurts. Now that you can just, you can just use it as part of a parlay on underdog.
1: It is 0.5 yards total yards 0.5 total yards here so actually I did a little three-pick slip let's take a let's take a touchdown for Miles Sanders rushing or receiving and a a Travis Kelsey receiving touchdown And you you know if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are in the red zone there you're looking at Travis Kelsey so as long as Jalen Hurts has one total yard one total yard passing rushing even receiving that first leg of this parlay automatically hits it's a special going on for new users and current users on underdog fantasy if you are a new user though you use promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, and they'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. With, with the big game coming up, I mean, we're, we're talking about some of the best possible slips to bet on all year, right, at the big game. So go to Underdog Fantasy, promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, they'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks.
0: Awesome. All right, that's your feedback Friday on a Thursday here on Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. Um, 365 days a year, we are your home for reckless Vikings off-season speculation and discussion so thank you to everyone who has either found us recently or maybe you've been listening or watching for a number of years we appreciate you and if you could do us a favor and click the subscribe button and the like button on the purple daily youtube channel and give us a five-star rating and a positive review on apple Podcasts, it helps spread the word about this vikings fan community you guys are helping us build we'll see you tomorrow on purple daily